0: Hello, and welcome to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem podcast. I'm Ryan Spilkin, Senior Learning and Development Consultant with Adaptivist. Joining me on the podcast today will be Adaptivist Learning and Development Consultant, Renee Brown, who brings a wealth of technical and nonfiction writing experience to the podcast, as well as the Head of Learning and Development at Adaptivist, Matthew Stubblefield, an Agile expert who is also quite a good writer himself. I mentioned writing because we're going to be talking about the value of stories, both in and out of the Agile methodology. This is our second episode and the first one to go under the name of Adaptivist Live. Very exciting. And so without further ado, here's our conversation about the value of stories. So, all right. Last week, we were having a, a discussion off the Adaptivist Live podcast about... Which, which we should note, Ryan, is not
1: actually live. No, this is Adaptivist Live pre-recorded. It's very much like our conversation last week. There was nobody listening.
0: No, and if if we had a conversation offline, did anyone hear it? Um, That was a deeper question than I'm prepared to answer. When we were talking about stories, we talked about how important they were to defining our work. So tell us a little bit about what you meant about how important stories were for work. Yeah, so a lot of what we do is working
1: with companies to improve their business process and how they work together. And my approach to this is really thinking through what I refer to as collaborative storytelling. And this is how we shape culture and and create culture. And so there's a sense of building a shared understanding around something. Uh, And if we want to change our understanding, then we have to change the stories that we tell ourselves and that we tell about ourselves and our history and what we're doing. And the, the Goal for that is not to be revisionist about our history. It's not to say, why did we make these mistakes? Well, clearly aliens, that's, that's why it's every time it's that it was raptor Jesus who, (laughs) you know, if only he had not led us astray. Uh, But yeah, that, that collaborative storytelling is how we can reshape and we can start improving how we perceive the world around us by changing how we talk. And
0: that feeds back into the agile process brilliantly
1: yeah it's this concept of of iterative development a little bit and you know even the word story is very common in in agile it's something that you know we need to tell a story about who needs this thing and what do they need and why do they need it
0: so renee you described this as mirroring narratology
2: yeah so narratology um like when matthew started talking about this he was sort of talking about how we Tell stories and that being really important and what narratology is is that is basically it from the Oxford English Dictionary it's the branch of knowledge or criticism that deals with the structure and function of narratives and then it's themes and conventions and symbols so there's a lot of things that I w- learned um when I was doing my master's in English. And this was one of the more fascinating things because a lot of times when we're talking about stories, we just sort of talk about uh, plots and we, you know, we go through the storyline where you've got the um, rising action, the climax, the falling action. You guys know, you've seen that little mountain um, diagram, but there's a lot more that goes into the actual like structure of writing a story um and that's kind of where narratology comes in um it's sort of a what my instructor always used to like to call it is a uh, narrative toolbox tools that you can use to understand how people um tell stories and how people use uh different parts of the story
0: so Um, tell us a bit about uh, tell us a bit about these tools
1: yeah. Is that yeah. sort of like uh, vocabulary for discussing it or is it more of a frame of mind where we have to approach it a, a certain way?
2: Okay. It's a little bit both, honestly. So there's, there's different vocabulary and As I'm sure you guys are aware, um, anybody who does criticism or structures things likes to call things slightly different versions of the same thing. So the vocabulary could be slightly different. But basically, there's several different things that I really like. And one of the things is that there's a narrative world. So in a story you are living within a narrative world. And in this world that's not real, it's in your head, but it seems real. Now, this world could be based out of the real world. Like, it could be a story about, um, like I was saying before, like creative nonfiction, like it could be a story about you going to Washington, D.C. and your trip to Washington, D.C. Or it could be a completely made-up story. It could be something about um, a fantasy world. Either way, it's a narrative world that's in your head. And this all comes from... uh, His name is Lubomir Dozel and Mm. yeah, I know. Right. That's a good name. Um, And he kind of talks about the narrative world and this world you use as the author is writing, he's using shared concepts and ideas to sort of branch into the fictional worlds and ideas. And um, as, as writers and as tellers of stories, we use kind of gaps in what we are telling But the reader can fill them in somehow. So you don't you want your narrative world to be as rich and as deep as the world that you actually live in. But you can't say that because who has time to explain everything?
0: J.R.R. Tolkien.
2: (laughs) He tried, but even he was limited to I mean, eventually he stopped writing. Right. So um,
0: Only only after he bit it. (laughs) Too soon. Too soon. (laughs) Too soon.
2: (laughs) So So, you use intertextual gaps in knowledge um, and the reader has to sort of fill that stuff in. So once you use the word silver, the reader fills in what exactly that means. The reader knows metal. The reader knows color. The reader knows, you know, that kind of thing. So that's just sort of, um, they use that. That's. Part of the, you create a fictional encyclopedia basically of things that mean something to you, both in the story and outside of the story.
0: That is really cool. But how do we bring the, the concept of a rich story that communicates the central theme? How do we communicate that while we are going about our work processes? Well, not just that, but as you were talking, Renee, I actually wrote down.
1: We use gaps in our stories, but the narrative or, you know, the reader fills them in somehow. And it reminded me of, you know, stories that we might write in agile project management, where we say something like, as a manager, I need to do X because of Y. I need to be able to read these payroll sheets so that I can make sure people get paid. And we write these sort of short statements so that we can give them to the developers and they can figure out what they need to do, but they're having to infer a lot from that because part of this is not micromanaging. We, we want to provide just enough information so that they can get on with the work and they can see how it all fits together. Uh, we, we don't need the vast web of requirements you know, that, that we might have done in the past, but we need enough for them to hang an idea on. Writing something in such a way that helps people sort of see this with a, a, a fresh view, you know, is that, is that part of what you're, you're talking about?
2: Yeah, there's a concept. Um, this is, this one concept is from uh, Victor <laughs> Uh Good name again. Um, and there's a concept called defamiliarization. And so, you know, like defamiliarization is once you do something a couple of times, you know how to do it. Once you, you know, code something, or once you look at something, once you hold a stone in your hand, you kind of know what a stone is and you stop paying attention to it. And so the concept of defamiliarization is that we as um, workers even want to look at something again and look at it with fresh eyes. And so you have to kind of Make that stone stony again. So how do you describe something? How do you think about something? How do you look at something to look at it again and really see it as opposed to just, oh, I already know how to do this.
1: So it's sort of like trying to, to help people with our writing and the stories that we come up with and we talk, help people not to make too many assumptions, maybe. Yeah,
2: exactly. Or it, let them make the assumptions about things you don't care about, but... Really drawn to focus the things that are important.
0: Well, I think you actually just completely answered the question I had, which was <laughs> which was how do you separate the wheat from the chaff in this situation? And that's or the that's, wheat from the sheep, <laughs> or the wheat from the bricks. And I need I need some wood. Um,
2: I've got stone.
0: So, for those of you who don't know, uh, the running jokes that we've uh, had about trading uh, items has been based on the board game Settlers of Catan, and we have a sneaking suspicion that a large portion of you listening to this will probably already be aware, but it's a wonderful game that we've all enjoyed, a, a playthrough or two. This is, this is a non-paid endorsement for Catan. Non- no, they have not. <laughs> they, they do not know who we are. We try to, we try to get with Days of Wonder next. <laughs> Um, but the the big thing here is that at, with an, at Adaptivist and at Atlassian, we care about stories because this is how we are, we are communicating our culture, our, our outcomes, our products. Matthew, what do you think the big thing to take away when you're thinking about stories and this ecosystem, how do you bring that together?
1: yeah I, I appreciate you pointing out that this is something that lasting really cares about and that most organizations care about uh, because the stories that we talk about and I mentioned culture earlier that's really how we help figure out how to get work done together you know so at the small building block level it's it's the requirements story that we write in agile project management. At the big level, it's what are our values? You know, and Atlassian has some stories that they tell about themselves. And again, when we use that phrase, oh, a story you tell about yourself, it often sounds like, well, we're trying to revise history or pump something up. but that's, that's not what I mean here, but it does help shape the culture. So stories that Atlassian tells about themselves are along the lines of, we put the customer first, and here's all the ways in which we put the customer first, Uh, that we don't emphasize sales, but we want to make a product that helps sell itself. Uh, We want to make something that people love to use, that they're really excited about, uh, we want to be a place where people want to work, and how can we build that together? And Adaptivist is the the same way. You know, some of the stories that we tell about ourselves, we really value our our employees and our people, and we want to take care of them. Uh, we want to be excellent. We want to always be improving. And so, to to give a sort of a concrete, somewhat, somewhat concrete example, but how this shapes even just subtly, you can talk about your company and talk about how we're excellent, we're the best, we're the greatest, and that's one story that you might be telling about yourself. But that's sort of a static story. We are this. But if instead the story that you tell about yourself and your team is we are always improving, we're always trying to learn new things, we're always looking to help each other, and that's your story, where you're getting to kind of the same end goal of we're really, really good, but the story you're telling is influencing and informing this culture of continuous improvement and working together. It's very active instead of passive and static. And that that has a different impact on the on the people listening to the story.
0: And we at Adaptivist are really all about helping organizations tell their stories. Yeah. So like when I start working with an
1: organization, the first thing I do is try to understand their culture a little bit. I start talking to them about what does success look like for them and how do they like to work together. And it's one of the things we prioritize here is understanding other people's stories as well, because that's how we can best work with them is if we understand all of those whys that are in the background.
0: Awesome. Well, Matthew, Renee, that brings us to the end of today's session of Adaptivist Live. The question on my mind is what are we going to talk about next week? I think, Ryan, I think a good subject for next week, you and I should have a bit of a rap session about coffee. Oh, man. You know, I like to equate coffee with workflow. But we'll talk about that next week. So coffee and workflows next week on Adaptivist Live. (laughs) Delightful. Um, If you have a suggestion, if there's something you'd like to hear us cover, please send anything our way to learn at adaptivist.com. Well, once again, I'm Ryan Spilkin. I'd like to thank Renee Brown. Thank you. And Matthew Stubblefield. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next week.
1: And then some music, some music that ran all right.